Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, Feedbacks and Insights, Share number 70, 76, and we are going to continue today about the discussion between relationships between men and women, boys and girls, uh, not taken from the book called Talking About Intimacy and Sexuality by Dr. Yecheva Dubo, um, has a lot of tremendous insights, and we talked uh, last year, last feedback, in regard to the teen perspective and the explanation as to why, um, you know, the girlfriend-boyfriend situation in teenage life is is fraught with a lot of danger and also not healthy overall. Um, to have a deep, uh, intertwined relationship um, between male and female in the teenage years until the point where it's marriageable age or close to marriageable age. Now, it is true, you could have rare exceptions to these rules. If you have a very mature and um, deep and, um, you know, um, centered um, boy and girl with their heads screwed on straight, and they have a normal dialogue with one another, and they are connecting religiously, intellectually, and they know uh, that they reserve the physical contact for marriage. Could you say that it could never happen, that it could be a tremendous uh, growth and mutual support and development that comes from such a relationship? It's not that it's impossible. It is possible. But for most teenagers, in a, on a practical sense, based on the way that we're wired and our natural Yetzirah, our natural human tendencies, the disadvantages over having a, 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 a boy-girl friendship, deep relationship in the teenage years, usually the disadvantages weigh the advantages, outweigh the advantages by a very large degree. And because, and what happens is, is that you know, the difference between a friendship and an intimate relationship, the difference between the two, a lot is defined by physical intimacies. By connection, by connecting in a physically intimate way. And the Chazal knew that it's almost impossible to be, quote-unquote, a little physically intimate. Our, our desire, normal, healthy desire, is strong, and very difficult to control once it's given even partial expression. Meaning, if you have it, whether it's teenagers or even other, you know, beyond teenager, between boys and girls, men and women, and when they hit a connection of some type of emotional intensity where they become intimate emotionally, it's and, and it, they decide even to be physically somewhat intimate, holding hands, things like that, it's extremely difficult to only give it partial expression. Sooner or later, it's going to go all the way. And that's not being cynical, and that's not being judgmental. It's just human nature. And um, therefore, um, it's best served to have young men and women save that boyfriend-girlfriend stage-of-life relationship until they're ready for a long-term relationship with an eye towards marriage. So even 
again, in the in the in the cultures where this doesn't exist anyway, where there's a separation between boys and girls, in more right wing conservative groups, Litvish groups or Hasidish groups. So what we're talking now really is not that uh, Negea, pretty much. But we're talking that even in the modern Orthodox world, where there is interactions more and more loose, it's very important to save it and delay it. This type of concept of a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship until it's close to marriage age, where there's already a point where you're saying to yourself, we're, we're, we're connecting for a purpose of a long-term relationship with an eye towards marriage. If you're eyeing towards marriage, then it can deepen and grow before a sexual dimension is added. And it's healthier that way. And um, that is the wiser approach for the circles in, in, in our communities where there is more interaction between boys and girls and men and women in some of the modern Orthodox communities, this is still the wisest um, approach to have. So it goes through here in, in the chapter on this, going through some questions, the commonly asked questions. So when discussing the physical interactions between males and females, the general question of how Judaism views sexuality and again, even among, we said this all the way, all the way in the beginning of uh, the introduction to the Shiurim, where we mention that even among Orthodox circles, from circles, the opinion on sexuality could be from one extreme to another. So nothing you will say will fit in with every group, per se. But in general, the Yiddishkeit, Tyra's view on the whole concept of sexuality is something unique. View, if Judaism views sexual intercourse between a husband and wife to be Kaidish HaKadoshim, to be one of the holiest, greatest mitzvahs that we have. It's a way two people become so close that they become as one. They become complete. The true way of the way sexuality is to be expressed between husband and wife creates a matzah, a situation, mutually, that combines the physical and the emotional and the spiritual in the words she uses in the book in a fusion that is all-encompassing. And this is why, and this is brought down in Svarim too, why children are conceived from this, because ideally you're, you're, you're emulating the Bayre by being a Bayre in a certain sense, what Hashem gifted to you to create children is conceived of what is ideally the deepest experience and closeness between a husband and a wife. That is the fundamental importance of sexuality as part of a healthy marital relationship. And it's a central component. There's no way around it. Sexual intimacy is a central component of the deepest bound that takes place between a husband and wife. So in general, even though you'll have certain areas in Yiddishkeit or from learning certain svarim, they may have a negative spin on it, some of it. 
But overall, Yiddishkeit views sexuality in the most positive light. The question then is, the next question, if what I'm saying is true, and if Judaism does view sexuality in the most positive light, then why shouldn't everyone be in a sexual relationship if it's such a wonderful thing? And the answer is, is hainu hach. That is the very reason. The fact that it is so special, that is the same reason why Yiddishkeit Judaism is concerned about premarital sex, because it's not rooted in the idea. It doesn't mean that it's sinful mitzar atzmai. The idea behind it is, is it's too holy, too powerful, too beautiful to be trivialized. That's really the nakuda of it. It's too holy, too powerful, too beautiful to be tr- trivialized into a casual connection of just a physical act between a boy and a girl, between a, a man and a woman. Even an emotional connection alone tied with the physical, is not enough. It cheapens it. Sexual relationship is so high and special that it requires a total unity of body, heart, and soul that is unique to marriage the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu designed marriage should be. And therefore, all these halachas, whether midairaisa halachas or midirabonon halachas, of Isr Yichud, of Isr, of touching, and so on and so forth. However, you know, not getting into the halachas here, what is Dairaisa, what is the Rabbanan, but it doesn't make a difference. The whole concept of it stems from the awareness that there is sexuality, there is sexual tension in general, and it's natural, it's a good thing. It causes, this is the svar, this is what HaKadosh Baruch put into the Bria to allow uh, 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 people falling in love to one day build a family and our Chazal took it as a given that gender meaning the difference between male and female, man and woman, boy and girl is a factor in all interactions between men and women that there is an attraction there at least in potential and therefore for men and women who are not married to each other, Halacha acknowledges, you know something? There is a possible uh, um, potential for a sexual attraction to take place, and therefore you need to limit it because it would lead to improper behavior and it would lead to sexuality being used in improper ways. And therefore, that's why there's those harchakis, whether midairaisa or midrabanan, is in order to cultivate and to make the sexuality safe, to be used in the safest way with the right person in your life, that's to be your husband and your wife. So, when people ask, why are we so strict about touch if you know, so people will say, it doesn't mean anything. What's the big deal? The answer is, first of all, it makes no difference whether to you or not it's a big deal. People are affected by touch. Touch is a very, very sensitive thing. 
we get desensitized to it, but it is a very, very sensitive te- uh, uh, th- uh, um, you know, thing. Because for two people, a male and a female, who love each other and care about each other deeply, then touch, even the simple touch of a hand, accidentally, is like electric. And in Judaism, the Torah believes you need to preserve that intensity of reaction, of touch, between two people who love each other and are committed to a long-term relationship to one another and to be reserved exclusively to that relationship. And that is how touch is like electric. She says an interesting study here. There's a study that was conducted in a restaurant setting where the effects of two types of touch were examined. In other words, waitresses briefly touched customers either on the hand or on the shoulder as they were serving food to their customers. And the customers' reactions were assessed by a restaurant survey and um, and also assessing, interesting, the tip that took place subsequently as a percentage of the bill. And fascinating, what they found is that the tipping rate for two types of touch did not differ from one another and did not differ according to the customer's gender. Both tipping rates were significantly larger than a controlled no-touch condition, which means like this is that they tipped more when their waitresses touched them. Why is that? Again, human nature. You're affected by that touch. Another research on touch, students received supportive touches in the back or arm from a teacher were nearly twice as likely to volunteer in class as those who did not. A sympathetic touch from a doctor leaves people with the impression that the visit lasted twice as long compared with estimates from people who were untouched. So what's the conclusion of this? The conclusion is that people are affected by touch in a very, very deep way. And of course, a teacher, male to male, female to female, again, this generation, it's like a crazy generation. We have to be careful with everything, but on the normal circumstances, a, a pat you know, on the shoulder, innocent like that, gives a person great warmth and encouragement to your own children, certainly. There's an added warmth that you feel towards people, who touch you, who give you a shalom aleichem, who greet you with a hug, and so on and so forth. And um, this study sparked other studies in stores where cashiers handed change in people's hands instead of putting it on the counter. The customers return more frequently. So we're talk- this is even about casual touch. This happens. So you see how powerful it is. We usually don't think about it in these terms. But touch is one of the five senses. First one we experience as a deep-seated need for human beings to touch and be touched. It's part of human nature. We're deeply affected by it. Therefore, we have to be careful with it. That's why boundaries have to be established. So if you say a boy and a girl 
that are not, or a man and a woman, they're not married to one another. But they're friends. So, and they're going to say, okay, we'll just hold hands. We won't do anything more than that. Or we'll just kiss, but our hands will remain above the clothes and, you know, not, because I don't want to be graphic, but you get, you get what I'm saying. You, you don't want to break that boundary even to that extent. And, and, and the standard is uh, uh, shifted. It slides. And Achazal, you can say all you want, how old-fashioned it may seem, they understood human nature better than anyone else. And the fact that we are programmed to desire more intimate touch, physical touch, as soon as we start to even be slightly intimate, that's why when you break that boundary, it tends to go downhill from there. And touch is often pleasurable because it's desired by people, even on an emotional level and on a physical level. And it clouds our ability to think rationally. Again, you see the most smartest, shrewdest, highest IQ businessmen that, again, when they fell into these types of nisyonis with their quote-unquote secretaries or co-workers or whatever it is, and they lose their brains. And these are the smartest, most self-disciplined people in the world when it comes to business or things that they want to accomplish. And they could talk to themselves all they want, that they could protect themselves from being influenced sexually by a co-worker or a secretary and so on and so forth. But the bottom line is, is if there is already somewhat of a physical relationship of even holding hands or touching and things like that, it is very difficult to decipher what's deep, what's not deep, what's real, what's not real, and it'll confuse and it will cloud your judgment. No matter how smart you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how advanced you are, no matter how intuitive you are. This idea of what in pop culture they call shaman Nagia, and people Teenagers in modern Orthodox circle use those terms often. It's not just unique to that. This self-restraint is needed all around, married or unmarried, because husbands and wives need to do that. Because the truth is husbands and wives need to be shaman Nagia also about two weeks out of every month throughout their lives, throughout their most of their lives. And Unfortunately, there's sexual temptation that can arise for every man and woman in the workplace and in other matzavim. Most of fear has happened in the workplace, unfortunately. And in Yiddishkeit, it's expected of us, both the men and women in the workplace, or wherever we are, to walk away, to hold back, to overcome even the most strongest physical impulses or emotional impulses and remain faithful and loyal to halacha, ta'kadosh baruch Hu, and to our partners in life, to our husbands and our wives. That's what kedoshim means, kedoshim tihu. Kedoshim tihu does not mean not to enjoy sex or not to enjoy sexual relationship with your own husband and wife whom you love and you're meant to connect with. Kedoshim tihu means you preserve that sexual relationship by making Gedarim and walking away 
from any other situation that Cholila could cause one to give in to their impulses, physically or emotionally, and to remain loyal and to main, remain faithful. Right? When she's Anida, even your own wife, and so on and so forth. There's a machlekes between the Rambam and the Ramban, whether Chibik and Nishik and so on, or also Osem and the Rabbanon. But the bottom line is, the Chazal understood the power of our Yetzer, of our sexual desire. It's a tremendous desire. It is tremendous desire, Beteva, in people, both in men and in women. And any kind of intimate contact, when it's initiated, whether it's in, especially if it's in a context of context of a real boyfriend girlfriend relationship, to set boundaries there is very very challenging, and breaking those personal boundaries are very very common. It's just fact. It's just reality, and that is why the right path is the Torah-based society path of separating it until it's meant to be in that healthy, one-on-one marriage, long-term relationship. And the one more one is involved in a serious relationship, the stronger the desire for intimacy will become. The Chazal knew this. And that is why they set boundaries in making sure you don't connect in this way to people that are not married to you. That's why there's the Hilchas of Yichud. What, whatever this is, it's irrelevant. That's where the Isser of Yichud is. Males and females often find themselves working together. And you need this Hilchas Yichud to follow it, to guide it as a protection. And, and it's not because of a negative. Because the sexual relationship is extremely important, but it's extremely private. It's extremely holy, and it's extremely enjoyable, and holy at the same time, to be used in the context of a long-term committed relationship defined by halacha as marriage. Therefore, there's an isser against physical touch and to stay far away from sexual impropriety within our kahilis and our communities. And that's why forbidden interactions, that is derechiba, is usser completely, because that derechiba, whatever that is, demonstrates intimacy, fosters intimacy. And that is only meant to for a husband and a wife in marriage. So it's interesting. He brings, she brings down here. She researches this that uh, touching not b'derechiba is somewhat less serious. She brings down, and I have to find the exact maramokim for this. Ramosha Paskins, that a person has to take the subway, let's say rush hour, and uh, he has no other choice. There's no other choice in order to get to work. That's what he has to do. But he knows that, you know, the way it is in rush hour, you'll end up totally bumping into people. You know, 
as the train moves and there's no only standing room and so on and so forth. And oh, this is an Ebenezer, um, Chelek Bey's Tshuva uh, Yedalad. So he's he says not they shouldn't worry about that that you need not worry about that. That's called touching that has nothing to do with Bederachiba, and that doesn't pose a halachic problem according to Ramosha. Handshaking, more complicated. We're not going to get into the halachas of this right now. You have shitas lakan, shitas lakan. I leave it up to the paiskim to to do. Obviously, the ideal is to avoid it, especially if they understand. Uh, you know, understand it. I usually try to carry things, uh, you know, uh, at, or, or go into conference rooms where that may happen when I'm, you know, like sort of um, uh, carrying things or that it shouldn't even become a situation. Baruch Hashem in situations, uh, you know, in many of them, even the non-Jews that you deal with, the lawyers and other things, they're aware of how the from world interacts and the women know this and they won't even stretch out their hand to shake their hands. It's a lot easier these days in many circles. This covered abrius, so you have to do it with a with a way that's bekidish Hashem, the way you explain it, um, and you explain how the handshaking that you're not doing is not a personal thing, adarabit out of respect, and so on and so forth. So this avoiding physical intimacy of any sort to the opposite gender, is a full-fledged mitzvah. If not, the rice is certainly midrabonon. And it's certainly, even if it's a drabonon, there's smach in the Torah from Sukkim. It's a mitzvah. It's a meridika mitzvah. And it's a full-fledged mitzvah. You're accomplishing a great amount by avoiding physical intimacy between a man and a woman that are not married to one another. And it's something that is very, very important to remember. And we'll be as Hashem um, continue on this subject in the next feedback. Hatzlacha and bracha.